Hey everybody, I'm Pastor Jeff Dawes, lead pastor here at Stockbridge Community Church. And I just want to say thank you for listening to our podcast today. I hope this message inspires you and encourages you. Enjoy today's message. because I'm going to tell you something today that, uh, about me. Let me just go ahead and tell you. Do anybody know what this is right here? What is that? That's right, charcoal. That's right. Okay, this is charcoal, and I want you to know this is not match light. So you've got to do this the old school way, right? Like lighter fluid has to be involved here, yes? This is the man's kind of charcoal. <laughs> the reason I hold this up to you because I want to tell you that this charcoal... Not necessarily this bag, but a bag of charcoal like this caused Rhonda and I one of our greatest disagreements. Okay, some people call those fights, all right? Uh, So it caused us one of our greatest disagreements. Right after we had gotten married, you know, I wanted to get a grill because in order to feel like the man, you've got to have a grill. I don't know why, but anyways, that's the the way it seems to roll. And so I was asking guys I work with about grilling. I said, let me tell you how to grill, Jeff. I said, you take that charcoal. You put it on your grill. You soak it down with lighter fluid. You get you a big fire. And you let that burn for about five minutes or so. And then you throw those steaks on that grill. You put the top on it. You don't ever open it up. Your wife's going to say, you're crazy. You know, but you just leave it. You let it cook for 15 minutes. Don't even flip it over. And you put it on the plate. It's ready to eat. Yes. So I come home, I couldn't, I couldn't wait. I got home that afternoon, I went and got us two steaks, and uh, I got me a bag of charcoal about this size because I had a little small grill, and I put that charcoal, and I, I, did, I went a little step further. I went ahead and spread my charcoal out, spread it out, and I put lighter fluid on it. I threw the match in there, I got a big blaze, whoop, it blew, it blazed up. Then about five minutes later, it blazed down. I said, oh, I'm already ready. I threw those steaks on the grill, put the lid on it, Smoke was smoldering out of it. Ron was like, Jeff, I don't think this is going to be, this is going to be right. I'm doing this. <laughs> I am the, officially the man chef around here. And so, sure enough, I, 15 minutes later, I got it. They, they were brown, pulled it out, went to the plate, had it ready to eat. I said, okay, we prayed a blessing over those. And she played, prayed an extra blessing over those. And we began to eat. And uh, it was brown on the outside. It wasn't brown all the way through. It wasn't brown half the way through. And uh, we began to eat, cut into that. And, and I started making myself eat it. And she said, Rhonda tried. And she said, Jeff, this tastes just like lighter fluid. I said, no, you're just trying, you're just trying to give me a hard time. No, 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 it's not. No, you, this is good. This is good. This is This is good. <laughs> And so the fight broke out, you know, because she wasn't eating that stuff. And so I learned, I learned a lesson that, that day about this, is that with charcoal, first of all, you've got to pile it together, right? You've got to keep it together, and then you, then you get it hot, let it get really hot, and then after this, then you begin to spread it out, but you can't spread it like put one little charcoal over here and another one over here. It's got to touch. Why? Because if it doesn't, it loses its heat. It loses its fire, right? So I had, a, I had a life lesson that day. 
And that was this, is that I have to stay connected, that the charcoal have to stay connected to keep the fire in them. And I learned of what I want to talk to you about today is that you and I have to stay connected. If we're going to keep the fire in our lives, we have to stay connected. And, and I want to talk to you about this connection because this connection that I'm telling you about, as you've seen on the front of your program, we're starting this new series called Opportunity for a Better Life, and that's our vision. And so what I want to do is walk you through the next couple of weeks of those steps of how we do that. And, and the first thing is, is connect. We have to connect. And so I have a statement that's coming up on the screen that this might be worth you writing down because my charcoal experience taught me this, and, and this is what it says. You ready to look up on the screen with me? This says this. Being connected makes me what? Effective, that's right. Being connected makes me effective. You might want to write that down. And this is a lesson from the charcoals is that when you get disconnected, you become less effective, but the more connected you are, the more effective you will be. And it's a principle that God has taught us. Now, let me just tell you the, the importance of this. You know, you're, your prayers that you pray, God's going to, when He answers your prayers, 99% of the way that He's going to pray or answer those prayers is this, is that He's going to answer them through other people. 99% of the, of the, the way that God's going to answer your prayer is through other people. He's going to use other people 99% of the time. And so when you're connected, man, when you're connected, it makes it a lot easier for God to answer your prayers when you have connections in your life. And every one of us need people in our lives. We need people. And I want to tell you today, I want to give you four uh, types of people that you need in your life. And so here we go. We're going to kick it off like this. You ready? The first thing I want to share with you is this. Is number one, is that I need someone to look up to. Did you write that down? I need someone to look up to. It's a principle of the charcoal. I need someone to look up to. Now, the guy's name that I have written out beside that is who? Paul, okay. All right, I've got to give you his backstory because his name gets changed and it gets a little confusing. There was a guy by the name of Saul... So when I say Saul, I want you to say Paul. You ready? When I say Saul, you say Paul. When I say, are you ready? Ready? Saul? Okay, that's right. You got it good. Saul? There you go. You're right. All right. Let me see how sharp you are today. So as we begin the story, this guy Saul, right? Are you with me? Same guy. He has been trained in the Old Testament about everything about the Old Testament. I mean, he is a scholar. And then Jesus comes on the scene, and everybody that's trained him about the Old Testament is the religious sect of Jesus' day. It's actually the people that crucified Jesus. So they are anti-Jesus, and so after Jesus, you know, come and he died on the cross for our sins, he rose, and he rose on the third day, we had Easter, and he went back to heaven with God. Well, the church was birthed. People, it was called the way then. That's what they, the only way they described them, is people on the way are the sect. And so they were Christians. And, and so, Saul, there you go, that's right, there you go, sharp people right here. As he begins to uh, look at this religion, he decides because of all the people that have taught him that it's not good, he begins to persecute Christians. And so having them thrown in jail, even given his approval for son to be murdered, and so Saul, you, you guys are sharp, man, you you're sharper than the first service. Don't tell him I said that, all right? So this guy, 
goes on the road called on the city to Damascus. He's on his way. On his way there, Jesus himself appears to Saul. He appears to him with a bright light, and he sees this bright light, and hears a voice that says to him, "Why are you persecuting me?" And so. He heard that voice, and the light was so bright, he was blinded, he couldn't see. So he has to stop off at a little, uh, a little town, a little village there. When he gets there, there's a man that is, that is introduced to him who's a little scared, a little afraid of him, and his name is Ananias. And so we're going to pick up the story. Remember, here Saul is blind, and he can't see now because he's had an encounter with Jesus. And he's, he's been taken aback. Everything he's taught, been taught his whole life about Jesus is wrong, and, and now it's beginning to be revealed to him, and this is how God lets that happen. So here it is. So Acts 9, it says, And Ananias, say Ananias. Ananias. Ananias went to the house and entered it, placing his hands on Saul. Saul. Yeah, there we go. He said, Brother Saul, Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, look, look at this, has sent me so that you may what? See again. See again. Let me tell you something. The people in our lives that we look up to help us see things from a different perspective. You get that? And so that's one of the ways that he was able to see again, not just physically, but also spiritually. So, can we see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit? Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's now, you, you're waning on me now. Come on. All right, here we go. Scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he could what? See again. See again. He got up and was baptized. So here's what I want to tell you. We have this guy, Saul, who is an example. He actually, God used his wisdom of the Old Testament to after he had his conversion and he became a Christ follower to use all of that to connect the Old Testament to the New Testament. In other words, he connected Jesus all through the Old Testament. God used him and all of that knowledge that he had to connect Jesus to the Old Testament. And so we have the New Testament, and he actually ended up writing the majority of the New Testament. So God used all his wisdom. So he becomes this person that everyone sort of looks up to, like he looked up to Ananias. The reason I share that with you is because we all need someone in our lives that's a little further along than we are in whatever area that we need to grow in. And that person does not have to be older than you as well. You know, it doesn't matter. So whatever area in your life that you want to get better at, you have to find someone who is better at that area than you are. And that's the problem that we have, is that most of us do not want to admit that other people are better than us in certain things. If you want to be better in your marriage, you've got to find someone that's better at marriage than you are. If you want to find someone that's better as a, a parent, then you have to find someone that's better parent than you are. If you want to find someone on your job, you know, if your job, if you want to get better on your job, you have to find someone that does what you do that's better than you are. You know, as in school, if, if you want to get better at math, you've got to find someone that's better at math and get around that person, right? So, so you, you're trending with me? You're tracking with me? And so what the problem is, is most of us, this is what happens. 
When we were in middle school or elementary school or maybe even high school, we got around some people that were better than us, but guess what? They made fun of us in front of other people and therefore they sort of scarred us. They embarrassed us. And many of us sitting here today have made a secret pact with ourselves and we're saying this, is that never again will that happen to me. And so when anyone who appears to be a little bit smarter than us, a little bit brighter than us, we stay away from them. And sometimes we even call them names. And we'll make fun of them because we're afraid of getting around them because they may again make fun of us and hurt us and embarrass us. And so here's what I want to tell you. Is that don't wait for people that are ahead of you in your spiritual life, family life, you know, school, work, whatever it is. Don't wait for them to come to you. You go to them. You go to them. Listen. People ask me all the time, I said, Jeff, what's been the secret to SEC? You know, we went from 75 to almost 1,000 people. Well, what, what's that secret? I'll tell you, what, you know what it is. It's not because I'm so smart. It's because that God has allowed me to find people that are further ahead of me in, in ministry and, and churches that are larger than us that I, you know, I, they don't know me. Those pastors don't know me. But what I do is I call, I keep calling their assistant until they finally get so tired of me calling that they'll give me an appointment with them. And so I'll say, listen, give me one hour. I will pay them $100 for one hour if they'll just, come, if they'll just answer a few questions. And it's amazing to me that after I've continued to do that, how I get that. You know, I, there's pastors and churches in this area around here, large churches that I've, I've got an appointment with that nobody else could. You know why? Because I was persistent. I just kept on, and I kept asking them. I didn't wait for them to say, hey, well, there's that Jeff Dahls over there at Stockbridge Community Church. I think he's a good guy. I'll call him up. No, that doesn't ever happen. I called them. And I've got to meet with, with pastors that are pastors of churches of thousands of people just simply because I called and asked them. And so here's the question. Here's what I want to ask you. Who are you waiting on to call you to get better? Why don't, you find, why don't you go call them? Why don't you try to make the appointment and go sit down with someone that's better? First of all, you've got to recognize that they're much better than you. And if you do that, then you can get better. We say it at SEC this way. You can't, you can't do better or be better until you what? Until you know better. Until you know better. And the way you only know better, the way you get to know better is you've got to get around somebody that knows more than you know. And so I want to challenge you to do that. Um, now... If you want to meet some of the, the brightest people that we have around here at SEC, one of the ways to, to uh, get connected to those people is, called, is growth track. And I, I, want to, I want to strongly encourage you to participate in growth track because you get to know the best of the best of the people. You get to discover things about you that you never knew before. That's one of the comments we get. And then you get to find out the best people. And so I want to challenge you. You can sign up for growth track or you can just hang around after this service and 12 o'clock, we have growth track that starts in, in a room right over to my right. So you actually can be a part of growth track today if you choose to. All right. So remember what we said. Remember we said this. Being connected makes me what? Effective. That's right. Remember the charcoal. Being connected makes me effective. When I am connected, I'm effective. I thought about uh, uh, Jack Lawrence, a guy in our church, who when we got ready to do this building program, uh, you know, this expansion that we're in. Well, I've gotten a little wiser. And so the first time we built this first building here, I wasn't so wise, I almost had a heart attack. And so, you know, I found this guy named Jack Lawrence, who's a part of our church, who is, uh, he's retired now, but his whole life's been in building. And, and guess what? He comes in 
Every day he meets with our contractor just to make sure that they're on track with, and he's looking out after us constantly. And so, listen, he has all the ulcers now. I don't. That's great. He said, you know, I think I'm getting an ulcer. I said, praise God, you got it, not me. Smart, I'm getting smarter, right? But I've learned from him, and I want to encourage you to do that as well. All right, number two, would you write this down? So the second person, or I would say this, I need someone in my life, number two, to encourage me. To encourage me. The guy's name out beside of that, his name is what? Barnabas. I don't know. When I, when I say Barnabas, I don't know. It just comes to my mind, a guy that drives a bus. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just weird like that. But Barnabas, this guy, look at, look at what he does, okay? Here we go. He's going he's to play a big part in Saul. Oh, you're going to sleep on me. Saul? That's right. Okay, he's going to play a big part in his life. Here we go. It says, let's find out who Barnabas is. It says, Joseph a Levite from Cyprus, whom, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of, son of encouragement. That's his name. How would you like that? You are son of encouragement. I've been called some other names, but never son of encouragement. Okay, some of you have too, I can tell. All right, so let's find out how, he, how, he, uh, how this impacts Saul's life. Here we go. Acts 9, it says this. When he came to Jerusalem, speaking of Saul, all right, that's who we're talking about, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he had really was, that he really was a disciple, okay? So they're scared to death of Saul. They're scared of him because he, he killed Christians before. But who? But Barnabas, that's right, took him and brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul on his journey, had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of who? In the name of Jesus. One of the, so what I want to say to you right here is this, is that you need someone in your life to tell you that you can do this. You need someone in your life speaking to you. You need someone to encourage you. You need someone to say, you can do this. Because in our, in our world today, we have people that encourage people. What does that mean? That means they give courage to them. And then we have people in our world that discourage people. What does that mean? That means they, they take courage away from them. And, and that means and God knows our world is filled with people that they think it's their life mission to discourage you, right? Have you ever met those people? I mean, like, you get this dream that you feel like you're supposed to do, that God's given you, and you start telling your dream. You know what they do? They just howl your dream to death. They say, how are you going to do that? How is this going to happen? How is that going to happen? Let me just tell you something. If you've, got a, if you've got a dream that you can figure out all the hows to, it's not a God dream. Because if you've got a God dream, you can't figure out all the hows because it's going to take God to do it, right? And when people ask me about our dream at SEC about, you know, about having multiple campuses and, 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 and having, reaching over 10,000 people, when they ask me, how is that going to happen? I can't answer the how. I say, God, that's all I know is God. G-O-D, G-O-D, it's God. It's not, I don't know the how. When we were 75 people, if you would have said, okay, well, well how are you going to be 1,000 people? I couldn't have told you then. All I can say is God. And, and you ask me, how do we get here? God, that's all, that's God. I can't write a book on it. God did it, right? And God wants to do it for you. And you need people in your life to remind you of that. Too many discouragers. Would you agree with that? Matter of fact, the babe, you know what Babe Ruth said? Babe Ruth said this, said, 
said all the heckling always comes from the cheap seats. <laughs> all the heckling comes from the cheap seats. And you know that's so true, isn't it? Because when you begin to become the discourager, you lower your value. You lower your self-worth when you become a discourager. Don't be one of those people that's a dream killer. Have you ever met those people that they're the dream killers? You know what they do is that you tell them your God dream and they just think it's their job just to shoot it right out of the sky. Boom, boom, boom. Can't do that. Can't do that. Can't do that. Can't do that. And they'll just tell you how you cannot do it. But I'm here to tell you that if God be for you, who can be against you? I'm, t- I'm telling you that God used ordinary people like you and I that are jacked up, messed up, and He takes all of our mess, and somehow He just makes good come out of it. I'm telling you, if God's giving you a dream, you don't back up, you don't shut up, you go for it. Amen? Amen? You go for it. <clears throat> I get questioned all the time, and, and so will you. But the Bible tells us that that's why we have each other. Look what the Bible says in Hebrews 10, 25. He says this. He says, let us not give up what? Being together. together. And here's why. Here's the why to that. As some are in the habit of doing, but let us what? Encourage one another. Notice that. That's what we do. When we come together, that's what we do. We encourage one another. But let us encourage one another all the more as you see the day approaching. Let me... Why, why do you need to be encouraged? Why, why do you need to come to church? Why do you need to go to group? I'll tell you, because it's here that we want to encourage you. Listen, I don't care how you felt when you walked in these doors. I can't help that. But when you leave, I can help that. And I want you to be encouraged. I want you to know that, that God is able and that God can do whatever you need Him to do. And we need people in our life to remind us that God is still on the throne to help us get through what we're going through. Amen? Amen. We've got, we got to have God to help us get through that. And that's what the church does. And, and listen, that's what group's all about. And next week you have an opportunity to sign up for a group. Why? So you can be encouraged. Because we want to give courage to you. Not discourage you and take it, take it away. So here's a question that I have for you. I have two questions. One is this. Who are you encouraging? Who are, who are you encouraging? Who is the person in your life that you know that you are saying, I'm going to encourage this person? Who is it? You need to answer that question. And if your name doesn't come to your mind, you need to decide right now, who is it going to be? Because they need it. And then you know what the next question is this? Is who's encouraging you? Who is it, who is it that encourages you? And when you identify that name, you need to lean into them a little bit more. Because, you know, this is what I discovered, is, is discouraging people discourage people. Encouraging people encourage people. Discouraging people discourage people, and encouraging people encourage people. And you know what another thing I found out? Is discouraging people are discouraged people, and encouraging people are encouraged people. So you get to choose. Do you want to be discouraged or encouraged? You get to choose. And I challenge you today to choose to be encouraged. Every one of us needs people in our lives to encourage us. I want to share the next thing with you. The, the, the third thing I would say to you today is that I need someone in my life and you need someone in your life to speak into. I need someone to speak into. Remember Saul? There we go. Remember Saul? Okay, remember that guy? 
not only did he uh, have someone to look up to, not only did he have someone in his life to encourage him, but he also found someone in his life to speak into. And there's a guy by the name of Timothy that, that we find in the Bible. Look what it says. So this I right here is talking about Saul. That's right, he's talking about him. He said, I have sent Timothy to you, who is my beloved and faithful. Let's read what's on the line. You ready? Come on. Son in the Lord, who will remind you of my ways in Christ as I teach everywhere in every church. So what he's saying is that I have chosen to pass on what I've learned. And the question again that I have for you is, is who are you passing your faith on to? Who are you passing your faith on to? People around you need your faith. Rhonda and I yesterday had the privilege of, of having lunch with one of our neighbors who is of a different religion than we are. They had asked us to come over because their son has um, some challenges and they asked us to come. I asked, could I pray for them? And I thought, you know, like me, like I asked three weeks ago, can I pray for them? I'm like, right now, I'm ready. Let's pray right now. You know, let me come to your house right now. He said, so he said, I'll let you know. So he texted me back and said, hey, three weeks from now at noon, come and pray. <laughs> Am I being set up or what? I don't know. I'm still a little scared, you know. And so we went uh, yesterday and, of course, Rhonda is not the most outgoing person. You see her from the stage, you think she is, but she's really not. So she was a little apprehensive as well. And so we went, and then we had lunch as well. They provided lunch for us, and that was a, an experience. I eat some things I've never eaten before. And I wasn't really sure about it. But anyways, they put it in front of you, you eat it, right? But so we got to pray for their son and them. But what was so wonderful is this. Is that when we prayed for them, the Holy Spirit was there. The mother began to just, her tears just flowed down her face as we prayed for her son and we prayed for them. Did they come to Jesus yesterday? Not that I know of. But it's not done yet, right? The seeds were sown. And I'll say that because, I, you know, your pastor's not some great guy. I'm just telling you this is that when, you, when you, got, you and I have to look, God, who's around us that needs you? Who, who, need, who, need, who can I speak into? And, and, and they were distraught because of an issue that they had going on. And we were able to speak life into that and say, no, because there's a God and because of Jesus paid the price for our sins and because Jesus had the power to heal, then we know that Jesus can take care of this issue. And you have that power. So who are you speaking into? Now let me just say this to, about the next generation. The next generation is very interested in what we have to say. It's just that somehow we don't know how to communicate with them. The first way to communicate to the next generation is speak to them. Don't, stop, don't just speak about them, right? A younger person, you know what they want? They want you to say hello. You say, well, they act like they don't want to talk to me. They act like they're mad all the time. Well, that's just being a teenager, Right? And that's just being a younger person. I mean, they got a lot on their mind. And, and, and so they just want you to say hello. 
And, and so the first part of speaking into someone is speak to them. And you, and you say hello. And then guess what? You just let them say hello back. And then as time goes on, that hello moves into a conversation. And you say something. And, they, and you listen for them to talk back. And, and, you know, they just want to know that we care. And the problem that we have with this, with not just the next generation, but people in general, is that, you know what, we, we, don't, we want to give direction and correction before we ever make a connection. Did you hear that? We want, we want to tell them what to stop doing and what to start doing before we ever have a relationship with them. Listen, you can, listen if I don't know you and you come and try to give me advice, I'm not listening to you. I'm like, there's an idiot. Aren't you too? I mean, I don't know you. Come up and tell you how to, how to take care of your kids and I don't even know you. Come up and try to tell you how, how, how to have marital advice and I don't even know you. You, I'm an idiot. And that's the way they look at us too. When we try to give direction and, cor- and correction and we don't have a connection, they say, that's an idiot. But when you begin to make a connection with them, then guess what? When you make that connection, then they're open to hearing what you have to say. But they want to be heard before they hear you. And so we have to learn to do it. So here, here's a way that we've learned to do it at SEC. The, I shared this with you last week. I'm going to share it again. The four greatest letters of the alphabet. You ready? Here they are. Coming up on the screen. You ready? Here they are. Let's say them together. I see in you. I see in you. Every person, doesn't matter if they're older or younger than you, is looking for someone to believe in them. And here's how you do it. Is you just say, listen, I want you to know, I see something great in you. I want you to know that. I, 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 I see greatness in you. I, I see God got his hand on you. I see, I see in you. I see in you goodness and greatness. I see what God got. He's doing something in your life. I, I see the Holy Spirit in you. I see him at work in you. I see he's got his hand on you. I see in you. There is potential in you, and, and God is calling you to do something for him. I see. You're not like everybody else. I see it in you. There's something about that power of your words when you say that. I was about, uh, I don't know, 16 years old in my home church. I hadn't been a Christian that long. And this man by the name of Billy Patrick, he was, a big, he was an older gentleman, he was tall. He come propped his old arm up on my shoulder. I shouldn't say old arm. Okay, he put his arm on my shoulder. <laughs> he said, Jeff, I just want you to know something, son. I see greatness in you. And at that time in my life, I was the most insecure person you ever met in your life. And I thought, Jack, you've got the wrong person here. Who, you're talking to me. He said, you know what? In Jesus' day, they said this of Jesus. They said when, when Jesus come from Nazareth, that was his hometown. He said one day they said of him, what good thing could come from such a small town like Nazareth? He said one day they're going to look at you and they're going to say, what good thing could come from Monroe, Georgia? That was the town that we lived in. I never forgot his words. He saw something in me that I didn't see in myself. And those words, when I felt like I couldn't do it, those words empowered me to go on. And I'm telling you today that, listen, I see a lot of potential in some of you and all of you. And today you just got to own it and watch what God will do in your life. So I have a next step for you. Here it is. It says, I was speaking to someone this week with, let's say those, last, those four letters. Ready? I see in you. Why don't you look for it? Once you begin to look for it, then you'll begin to see it. Remember we said 
Being connected makes me effective. Never forget that. Being connected makes me effective. The fourth thing I'd like to share with you today is that I need someone to never leave me. I need someone to never leave me. Look what the Bible says. Or let me say this first before I jump into that passage. Would you agree with me that we live in a culture today to where when things get hard, people leave? Would you agree with that? I mean, like, listen, school gets hard, people quit. College gets hard, people quit. You know, marriage gets hard, people quit. Family gets hard, people run away from home. They quit. You know, marriage gets hard, people quit. They quit. And so it's very easy in our culture today not to trust anybody because we really feel like the, the people that we're with, are they really going to leave us? And that's why, you know, that's why a lot of people don't want to get married today. They'd rather, you know, just not get married because they're afraid if they get married that somebody's going to leave them and they're going to quit. I need someone who don't quit. And that's Christ, that's Jesus. Look what the Bible says. Matthew 28 and 20 says this. Jesus said, surely, let's read what's underlined. You ready? I am with you always. Always. That covers everything. To the very end of the age. Look at the Old Testament. I love what Isaiah says in the message paraphrase. He says this. When you're in over your head, let's read it. You ready? I'll be there with you. This is God speaking. When you're in the rough water, you will not go down. When you're between a rock and a hard place... It won't be a dead end. Let's read what's on the line. You ready? Because I am God, your personal God, your Savior. Your Savior. Rhonda and I are very close. We've been married for 31 years. Well, think about it. And when I, when I have to go out of town, I have like a three-day window. Like if I'm gone and she can't go with me, and I have to be away for three. After three days, I'm no good to whoever I'm talking, whoever, whatever I'm doing. I got to get home. I miss her. I want to be. It's like three days. After three days, I'm miserable. And, and everybody will tell you that go. That my friends are like, hey, if Rhonda's not going in three days, Jeff's gonna find a way. I'll, I'll you know, I'll catch a plane to come back. I, I'll, I'll, I'll say, hey guys, I'll check you later. I'm done. I gotta go. Cause I just, I just miss her. And you know, so. so She's, you know, I believe that she's a person that we've committed to never leave, but she can't go with me everywhere, can she? So some things she can't be with me. I understand that. So she can't be, I need someone who will never leave me. My mother and father-in-law are very tight people too, and they like they go everywhere together. But he talked to me about two months ago. He said, Jeff, he said, you know, we're getting older. He just turned 74. My mother-in-law turned 75. And he said, you know, one day, one day, we're not always going to be together anymore. He said, one of us is going to leave this world and we're going to leave the other. We can't be together forever. You know that to be true, that there's nobody that will never leave you outside of Jesus. But what he understood and what I understand is that, you know, like it, when I leave this world, and, and I'm probably going to leave before Rhonda, you know, she's just probably going to way outlive me. So uh, that's why I told you, make sure she cries at my funeral. 
I do believe that something ever happened to me that she would be there to hold my hand all the way through. When it comes time for me to call, take my last breath, I believe that she would be there with me. We sort of love each other. But when my hand falls limp because the last breath left my body, I want you to know the one that I've trusted all of my life will take me by the hand. His name is Jesus. He's not going to meet me on the other side of the pearly gates. He's going to walk me through the pearly gates. And he's going to go with me all the way into the throne room of Almighty God. And he's going to introduce me to all of my relatives and all of my loved ones that's already there. And he's going to show me my new home that I have there. He's going to show me the streets of gold. He's going to show me the gates of pearl. He's going to show me the river that never runs dry, the river of life, the tree of life. He's going to show me all of that. I'm telling you today, he will never, ever lead me in the darkest hours of my life and in your life. If you're a Christ follower today, I don't care what you feel. I don't care what you think. I I'm telling you that Jesus Christ is there. He's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. He'll never leave you, nor forsake you. He'll go with you all the way to the end. All the way. When you, your head's on your pillow at night and, and you've got all those thoughts and you can't sleep and, and you, you're trying to pray and you can't pray, I'm telling you, it's God Almighty. It's Jesus Himself who's holding your head on that pillow. He will never, ever leave you. Your mother may leave you. Your father may have left you. Your children may have walked out on you. Your employer may have fired you. But I'm telling you that Jesus Christ will never, ever leave you. He'll never leave you. Will you stand with me? Today, if you're not a Christ follower, listen, if Jesus is not the Savior of your, your soul, you've got to. You've got to. You've got to say, Jesus, come into my life and save me. And there's a prayer in our program. It's right there. You can read it. It'll lead you there. You say, God, that's me. When you do it, I want you just to check the back of this card. So I'm praying the prayer to become a Christ follower so we can pray for you. Now listen, I want to tell the rest of you this. Some of you forgot that. He's with you. He's with you. And he's with you. And he's with you. You say, Pastor Jeff, you just don't know. I don't know, but he does. And he's with you today. And he's not going to leave you. You can try to walk out on him, but he's not walking out on you, baby. He's with you. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, right now, I just pray that you just bring to our hearts and our spirits and our minds that you are with us and that you will never leave us nor forsake us. And God, that we will walk out here in the peace knowing that you've got this, oh God, and you're going to get us through what we're going through. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hi, this is Pastor Jeff again. I just want to say I hope you enjoyed today's message. If you would like to support God's work through Stockbridge Community Church, simply go to our website at secview.net. Again, that's secview.net. And click the Give tab. We want to thank you again for being with us today. God bless you. Have a wonderful day.